for Monday, May 11th, 2020, this is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE, answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, there's lots of data out there about how the coronavirus is affecting Georgia, but it's not always easy to understand. In the absence of data, we would not be able to have a quantitative picture of what's happening. So data and numbers are essential to our control of this pandemic. And at the same time, uh, these numbers sometimes may deceive us. Isaac Fung, an epidemiologist at Georgia Southern University, walks me through some of the numbers and how to avoid common mistakes when looking at them. That's next. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for WABE's local coverage on maternal health and mortality comes from Georgia Health Initiative, whose mission is to inspire and promote collective action that advances health equity for all Georgians. Learn more at georgiahealthinitiative.org. For about two months now, Georgia's Department of Public Health has posted regular updates on the coronavirus pandemic online on its COVID-19 Daily Status Report webpage. There's lots of data there, and it's not always simple to understand what you're truly looking at. Well, what better way to clarify things than by talking through some of the numbers with someone who does this for a living? Isaac Fung is an epidemiologist at Georgia Southern University. Isaac, thanks for taking the time to talk with me. Thank you. So we are here today, and I kind of want this to be an an interactive experience for listeners if they want to join in. We're going to be kind of looking at some of the data the State Department of Public Health has put on their website. We're going to take a second now. If you do want to navigate to the Georgia Department of Public Health website, that is dph.georgia.gov. If you scroll down, you will see the COVID-19 daily status report. And Isaac, that's what we're going to be talking about today is kind of the statistics that the state of Georgia has put together, letting the average individual kind of know where COVID is in the state. And, And I wanted to start, Isaac, by looking at kind of these big numbers. People who have pulled up this website will see at the top, we have a big number with total tests, confirmed COVID-19 cases, ICU admissions, hospitalizations, and deaths. So what do you make of these numbers being displayed so prominently at the top of this page? Are, are, are these numbers that you, as an epidemiologist, would be looking for and interested in? Yes. So I think that these numbers give us a, basically a prominent uh, view of um 
the status of the epidemic right now. However, just looking at the numbers might not be enough. For example, uh, as epidemiologists, we may want to talk about uh, the prevalence of the disease. So the number of infected individuals, okay, divided by the total number of residents in the state of Georgia. Uh, however, these numbers are very important to decision makers. So for example, uh, how many people require hospitalizations or how many people have died of uh, COVID-19. And so, for example, the number of deaths itself reflects to us um, the damage this virus disease has already caused uh, to this state. This is not necessarily a snapshot of the current number of people who are sick or maybe are hospitalized. These are cumulative numbers over time. Correct. The reason to make to make that point is someone might scroll to this page and see, oh, we have 31,000, you know, some people currently sick with this disease. But that's not what these numbers are saying. You're right. OK, so these numbers are cumulative. So it basically reflects uh, the entire epidemic from its beginning to up to today. And at the same time, some people might have already recovered. Uh, they may have been discharged from hospitals. So the number of active cases okay, uh, will be lower than the number uh, reflected in the cumulative numbers. The other thing, too, and I actually reached out to the Department of Public Health to, to, to clarify this, they mentioned that hospitalizations, as reported here, are likely underreported because they are not necessarily tracking someone who maybe reports a case and then is later hospitalized. That's not any kind of tracking that the state is is doing. Um, and so they acknowledge, too, that these hospitalization numbers are, are likely undercounts. Is that something that you would expect? It depends on how the state uh, is running their surveillance systems with regard to collecting data about hospitalizations. It is uh, a challenge to just to follow through for each individual's patient. So some people may be test positive and their symptoms may be mild at that moment uh, of the of the report, but they may become more severe and later hospitalized. So take, for example, a thing about the British Prime Minister. Okay, so Boris Johnson was test positive, okay, and then later on uh, require hospitalization. So if we use that as an example, okay, you can see that some people may be uh, uh, receiving healthcare and then test positives, and then they can uh, go home and self-isolate it, and then a number of days later they may become hospitalized. Now. If there is no other mechanisms for reporting again uh, of the event of hospitalization of somebody who has already been tested positive, then of course, then the number of hospitalizations shown on the web page might be underestimated. So if we scroll down a little bit, we'll see a map. And we have a map that has two different tabs on it, confirmed case by county, confirmed case rate per 100,000 people. Someone who's looking at this, what should they take away from this map? So there are two tabs here. One tab is the confirmed cases by county. So these are absolute number of individuals who are test positives of COVID-19. And then there's a second tab that is confirmed case rate per 100,000 people. So for the first tab, the confirmed cases by county, it tells us the absolute magnitude of the epidemic in that location. However, um, it only tells us one side of the story, because if we go to the second tab, when we have the confirmed case rate per 100,000, it shows us the proportion okay, of the population in that county who have been infected uh, by these viral diseases. 
The way that I like to think about it is if you have a county that, say, has 100 people and one person sick versus a county that has 100,000 people and one person sick, that one person makes a much bigger difference in a smaller county. Yes. Okay, so the total number of people living in the counties are a significantly difference between Metro Atlanta and some of the rural Georgia county. And so even though the total number of cases in some of the counties in southwest Georgia is smaller than the number of cases in some of the Metro Atlanta counties, however, as a proportion Okay, as a proportion of the total number of residents in, st in those counties, uh, it is high in those uh, southwestern Georgia counties. Okay, it, uh, it tells the story that those communities are seriously affected okay, by this uh, pandemic. If we scroll down a little bit more, we'll see, uh, you know, our, our first line chart, right? So we have COVID-19 cases over time. What is this really showing people? Because we, we, have, we have two different lines. We have a blue line and we have an orange line. Walk us through what this, what this is telling us. Okay, so when we look at the uh, line charts uh, of COVID-19 cases over time, there are two lines. One is blue, it's uh, confirmed cases. And then there's uh, one is orange, there's a seven-day moving average. There are apparently a lot of noise in the data going up or going down per day. So it, the moving average basically shows us the trend and tells us whether overall it is going up or going down, for example. Now, there are caveats associated with the data shown in this figure. So according to the Georgia Department of Public Health, um, under this figure, it, sh it says that the dates indicated for the newly confirmed COVID-19 cases is based on number one, dates of symptom onset. Number two, if the date is invaded or missing, the first positive collection date is used. And three, if both of those dates are invaded or missing, the date the case is reported is used. So to use as an analogy, I would say that these are apples, and oranges and bananas are all mixing together. Okay, so they may not mean the same thing. So when we see the time trend here, uh, we have to be very careful and interpret it with uh, caution uh, because the dates um, that we observe um, may not mean the same thing. On this graph, we see this 14-day window. So um, depending on when people are listening to this, the, the numbers are potentially going to be a little different. But there's this indication that in the last 14 days, this is a kind of this cone, this period of uncertainty. Talk to me a little bit about what that means. For us as reader of the website, we have to be aware that um, the data in the last 14 days may not be a, a true reflections of the reality. The reason is that it takes time for physicians and laboratory to report those cases to the Georgia Department of Public Health. And so even if we see a trend supposedly going down right now, it may not be true. I mean, uh, uh, seven days later, for example, if these data are updated, we might not see a trend that is going down. And, and I will just clarify here, too. I, I did reach out to the Department of Public Health to ask about this specifically. The question that I had for them uh, was, what about data that maybe comes in that's 15 or 16 or 17 days old? 
a DPH spokesperson tells me that they go back and update data regardless of when it comes in, which means that even though people might see this 14-day window of uncertainty that's kind of indicated on the chart, there is still data potentially being added even outside that window. So I think that that throws a little bit of uncertainty into kind of all of these numbers. And, and, and so this really seems to be the, the, the chart that people are maybe looking at to see how is this outbreak going? And I think trying to answer this big question of, are things getting better? Are we out of the woods? Is this the chart that you would look at to try to figure out kind of how well we're doing here? It would be a yes and no. Okay, so on the one hand, uh, if we're looking at the line graphs right now, it appears as if Okay, we have a, a downward trend. Okay, it appears as if uh, the epidemic is uh, slowing down and the number of new cases being reported uh, is smaller and smaller. However, given our understanding of the reporting time lag, okay, and the time lag with regard to test results, um, this might be an illusion and we don't know. And so if we go back to that line uh, past that 14 days window, okay, so. The, the trend up to the point 14 days ago was still like going up a little bit or reaching a potentially reaching a plateau and and at that we still don't know whether it was a peak at that time or was it a plateau or uh, we we basically have to acknowledge that we do not know so if we scroll down a little bit more, um, we see cumulative confirmed COVID-19 cases over time and cumulative confirmed COVID deaths over time. My impression of these charts, Isaac, and, and please tell me if I'm wrong, is that if we're counting and we think about how counting works, as soon as we find a new case, that cumulative number is going to go up. And so as this pandemic continues, we're only going to see those numbers increase. So I'm not quite sure what these graphs are supposed to tell me because it seems like inevitably these numbers are only going to go up. One of the major purposes that epidemiologists plot cumulative curves is actually to show us um, basically the rates of how it grows. So in an epidemic where, where there's no control and everybody is susceptible, it could potentially grow exponentially. However, when uh, intervention is being uh, in place, such as social distancing, the epidemics may slow down. So as the epidemic slows down, the epidemic will no longer grow exponentially. And on a cumulative curves, uh, what we were seeing is that the number uh, of days that the epidemic takes to double, okay, will increase. So as the doubling time of the epidemic keep on increasing, we know that the epidemic has slowed down. So one thing, Isaac, that, that used to be on the Department of Public Health page was actually a graph showing rates of change. Is that kind of rate of change for, for, from day to day, is that valuable information that, that, that could be on here? I guess that the day, uh, day to day rates of change may or may not be useful depending on the purposes. However, there's a lot of noise uh, in these daily numbers, especially daily number of new cases. Um, and so if we only make decision based on that uh, rate of change and basically per day changes, it may obscure us uh, from the long term, longer term trend. And so I guess uh, if people are looking into um, the, the trend, I think the seven day moving average actually tells us more because it will avoid the artifacts of the weekend effect uh, of data uh, or basically of reporting. And that will help us to see the trend, whether we are actually reaching the peak or it's still going up, for example. And when you're talking about an artifact, do you mean just maybe like a, 
a human factor in how this data is is collected that might make it look weird or, or seem noisy. Correct, because the data, that, um, the daily number of new cases that is shown uh, on this website basically is every Monday to Friday we have more cases, and every Saturday and Sunday uh, we have fewer cases. Uh, it's most likely to do with uh, the reporting and not to do with the actual number of infections because it's difficult to comprehend why people might not necessarily uh, get infected on Saturday or Sunday. One point I just feel like it's important to make is that this only takes us up to the present day. This is a report, as I read it, of what the status is now. These are not models predicting the future, correct? Yeah, this is um, only report, uh, data already reported to Georgia Department of Public Health up to today. I think that that's important, an important point to note, because a lot of some of the data out there that people might have seen are future projections. Correct. So there are a varieties of models uh, done by different academics who are making uh, projections into the future. And I think there's a page on the CDC website, too, that uh, basically uh, present an ensemble of uh, model forecast uh, into the future of number of uh, deaths, if I remember correctly. Uh, but for this Georgia Department of Public Health, websites about COVID-19 are the number of cases that have been confirmed and reported um, to the state's government. So this is something already happened. It's not about the future. What are some common mistakes that you feel like people should, should watch out for in data that other people are putting together and maybe how they're reading data that, that might bring them to false conclusions? I think number one is... Um, Paying attention to the definitions. So, for examples, when we to take the examples of the COVID-19 cases over timeline graph here, if we're just looking at it without asking the question, uh, what does that mean by the uh, date on the uh, x-axis, the horizontal axis, uh, we might think that, okay, this is actually reflecting um, the number of individuals who um, develop symptoms on a specific day, but then we read carefully, we know that not all of these cases are arranged by the date of symptom onset, and they may be arranged by the date of uh, first positive uh, sample collections, or they will be the date of uh, report. And so looking into the details are important when we read through this uh, data and as it presents, and then also ask the question, uh, what does that mean Okay, for us as an individuals, but also what does that mean uh, for the government as they make decision with regard to when should schools reopen, when should our economy reopen, and so on, and, and what, what does it actually tell us? I, I think that there is maybe this received idea that numbers tell us the truth. But I'm, I'm wondering if you think that that is necessarily the case. Do numbers give us the truth here? Or are there ways in which numbers can still potentially mislead us? Numbers, okay, for the data that we collect about this COVID-19 depends on a lot of factors. It depends on how we define a case, okay, how do we collect those data, and how are they reported, and, and how are they being presented, and how are they being calculated. And there's a lot of uh, human decision that goes into the surveillance systems, okay, how we collect the data, calculate the numbers, and present it to the public. And so I think the answer is yes and no, okay? Yes is that in the absence of numbers, in the, 
in the absence of data, we would not be able to have a quantitative picture of what is happening. So data and numbers are essentials to our control of this pandemic. And at the same time, uh, it's no, because uh, these numbers sometimes may deceive us. Isaac Fung is an epidemiologist at Georgia Southern University. Did You Wash Your Hands is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. You can reach us with questions, comments, or controversy at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at S. Claude Whitehead. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app, where you can also leave us a rating and a review. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening. is full of mysteries. Are ghosts real? Is that yogurt expired? Hey, the unknown can be scary, but when you donate to WABE, you know where your money is going. Your gift supports the journalism that keeps you informed and the programs that pull back the curtain on complicated stories. Help us make the world less mysterious. Become a member now. Go online to wabe.org donate and thanks.